How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Are you ready? Can we hop right into it? Sure. Is it okay? I'm walking. Is that okay? I mean, it's more sort of participatory. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. I, I, no, I like it. It fits right with the theme. It's very Blue Zones, by the way. <laughs> it is. All right, here we go. All right. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. And we have today our first guest who has ever been actually outside walking during the podcast, Dan Butner? I'm so thrilled that you're here. Welcome. Well, it's a delight to be here. And, it, you know, it's consummately blue zones to walk and talk. So uh, I am walking the talk. <laughs> it's perfect. I love that. So Dan <laughs> is the founder of Blue Zones, an organization that helps Americans live longer, healthier, happier lives. You've written so many books. I read the Blue Zones. I have the second edition of it, but I have the Blue Zones, Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the people who've lived the longest. I read it years ago. And then recently I got your Blue Zones Kitchen Cookbook, which I know you have two of those different types of cookbooks. And then your newest book, The Blue Zone Secrets for Living Longer, Lessons from the Healthiest Places on Earth, comes out in very soon. It'll already be out by the time the podcast goes and your Netflix series. So you have become this guru on longevity, and it is fascinating. I've learned so much from your books. Can we start with this topic? The topic of retirement. This is one of the things from your books that I had never heard of before. I didn't realize you talk about how in some cultures, the word retirement doesn't even exist. Wow. That's right. Uh, Okinawa. No word in the Okinawan dialect for retirement. Instead, ikigai. The reason mm -hmm. for which I wake up in the morning imbues their entire adult life. And, you know, interestingly, the second most dangerous year of your life is the year you retire. The first most dangerous statistically is the year you're born because of mortality. But there's a huge mortality spike to your you retire. And it might be because you slow down abruptly. It might be because you lose your social network. You know, it might be because you get divorced. We don't know why, but it's a dangerous year. In blue zones, they wake up every morning with a sense of purpose and a sense that uh, it's their job to contribute. And that sense doesn't go away until the, you, you know, until they die, really. We met mm -hmm. several hundred year olds who continue to have a market stall, continue to garden, continue to take care of their great, great grandchildren, continue to carry forth the agricultural or the culinary traditions of the, of the village. It's a subtle idea, but important in the big picture of aging well. And so this is your topic of expertise, longevity. You've been doing this for almost 20 years. Is that correct? Starting back in 2004? Yes. Yes. You know, and, and while I appreciate you calling me a guru, I'm really not a guru. What I, I work for National Geographic. I'm a writer and I'm an explorer and I'm mm -hmm. good at putting together big projects that try to solve big mysteries. And uh, about 20 years ago, with the idea of trying to reverse engineer longevity, 
I got a big grant from the National Institutes on Aging and from uh, National Geographic to hire demographers to statistically find the longest lived parts of the world, which I've dubbed blue zones. And these are places where the people have achieved the life outcomes we want. They make it to the capacity of their, the human body, which is about 90 or 95 years, largely without the diseases that are foreshortening our lives in America. So they're not getting diabetes or heart disease or dementia or breast or prostate cancer anywhere near the rates we are in America. Mm-hmm. And the Project Blue Zones really set out to reverse engineer once we find these places to go to each of them and find the common denominators or the correlates, as we call it. Mm-hmm. And you see very clearly the same trends happening in all five blue zones. And my writings are, are really just reflecting what these populations do. You know, I try to keep my opinion out of it. I'm more of an, of an oracle. I'm more of a, of a medium that uh, mm-hmm. translates what these populations are doing it and try to translate it into a language. I mean, people can understand and put the ideas to work in their lives. What a fascinating project, Dan, to be able to go and see how people are living around the world in different areas. And then you recently went back partially for this Netflix series. Is that correct? Right. For the Netflix series, we revisited all five blue zones. And since I've, well, you know, the reality is I've been going to all the blue zones fairly regularly for the past 20 years. But from the book you have, the original blue zones book, there's probably been about 40% more insights we've been able to mine Hmm. from these places because, you know, once people find out about them, other scientists, it draws a lot of scientific interest. And I am able to sort of skim the cream of what all these other scientists have found in these blue zones. And uh, I report that this new book, Secrets of Long Life, really updates everything we know about the, the five blue zones and then tries to offer sort of a, a manual, if you will, Mm-hmm. to help people kind of follow, you know, do the things that these centenarians do in blue zones so that they get the most good years out of life. I love that. And so many of the things are surprising, like the retirement. I'd never heard of that. I thought that was really interesting. It makes you think about as you get older, keeping your mind sharp. Not that they're working these hard jobs necessarily, but like you said, they're still gardening. They're still interacting with family. They're still interacting with grandkids. So I love that. One of the ones you talked about is just movement. And here you are, you're out walking. I was actually surprised, Dan, that a lot of the centenarians and in these different cultures, they're walking five to six miles a day is what some of the books said. I was thinking it was going to be like 20. So it's, it's something that would take a, a bit of time, but it isn't all that out of reach. So can you talk to us about the movement that's happening in these blue zones? What are people doing? Well, they're not exercising. And I think that disrupts a lot of people's thinking. And it, I hope, gets us thinking about a different way of getting the physical activity we need. First of all, physical activity is absolutely necessary for healthy aging. Fewer than 25% of Americans get the absolute minimum, uh, which is about a 20-minute walk per day. People in blue zones get their physical activity not from yoga classes or CrossFit or pumping iron or running triathlons, the sort of chore we call exercise, they don't do 
Instead, uh, every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat, it occasions a walk. And in many blue zones, by the way, that's uphill. Mm-hmm. They have gardens out back that they tend daily. I mean, they do have an advantage in that they always have two to three growing seasons, so they can have a garden almost all year long, which is hard for people in, say, Minnesota to do. Right. And they haven't filled their lives with the mechanical conveniences that has engineered most of the non-exercise physical activity out of our lives. Mm-hmm. So they're doing yard work by hand and housework by hand and kitchen work. They're grinding corn with a crank and they're kneading bread by hand. And all this unconscious physical activity adds up to burning more calories than they would in a gym. But first of all, they do it every day. People you know, have gym memberships show up on average about once a week. Hmm. And number two, because it's spread out through the day, their metabolism is uh, kept higher all day long. So their their resting state, they're burning more calories than they would if they're, you know, sitting at their desk all day long. So it really starts to get us thinking about a different way of physical activity that's unconscious, which leads us to not necessarily trying to change our behavior, but change our environment and look for ways to set up nudges so we mindlessly move. That's the big idea. Mm-hmm. So how does that work in your life? So here you are. Now, I've had 150 podcast guests, and none of them have been out walking. You're the first one. <laughs> I feel it. It's awesome, Dan. How are you structuring your life beyond something like this to make sure that – because you know, we, we work eight-hour shifts or we – you know the – American lifestyle is not necessarily set up. I mean, kids are sitting in classrooms, all these different things. So, I mean, you've had 20 years. What are some of the changes that you've made? Well, I wish you could see me right now. I'm uh, I, I'm carrying a courier bag full of groceries. I have my cell phone in one hand and I have a coffee in my other hand. And I'm, I'm walking near Lake of the Isles. Uh, okay, so here, the number one thing is live in a walkable neighborhood. So I walk from my house to the grocery store, to my coffee shop. I see my friends. This is healthy. This is way more healthy than going to a gym. And people say, well, I can't move. Well, if you look at U.S. Census data, you discover the average American moves residences about 10 times in their adult life, giving them 10 opportunities to move to a more walkable neighborhood. Just living in a walkable neighborhood statistics show occasions about 20% more physical activity than living in, say, a cul-de-sac or a suburb where every time you go someplace, you're getting in your car. So that's one. Number two, so I live in walkable neighborhoods. I live mostly in Miami, Miami Beach, and and uh, I visit Minneapolis where I both, you know, you know I where I sleep, I have walkability both places. Then um, my friends. So, you know, I do have some friends who, you know, like to belly up to the bar and spend the night chewing the fat. But most of the new friends I brought online in the last 10 years, idea of rec- of recreation is some activity. I have a whole gaggle of friends I bike with and another gaggle of friends I play pickleball with. So when I call up a buddy, it's almost always to do something active. 
I don't have to think about it. When they call me, they're calling to do something active. You know, the other thing is I figured out how to use public transportation. Uh, I know how to get downtown safely on my bicycle. So I, my transportation is usually biking or public transportation. So I'm walking that way. It's thinking about how to engineer physical activity into your life rather than uh, sedentary life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you talk about is that a lot of the centenarians, they're not trying to be centenarians. Their culture and their lifestyle it helps facilitate that for them. So those are great ideas. And one of the things, there was a couple motivating things in here. One of the things is that if you continue with the physical activity, that is going to help you with your balance. So you write falls are the leading cause of death among older Americans. Well, a leading is, yeah, it's not the leading, it's a leading. It's among the top five. But it is important, you know, if you die, if you fall down and break your hip and you're 50 years or older, there's a 25% chance you'll be dead in a year. So it's a real threat that we often overlook. The way we sit on chairs or sofas and, you know, that weakens our, our lower bodies and, you know, we lose flexibility over time. You look at Okinawans, longest lived women in the history of the world. Okinawa, by the way, is in the southern tip of Japan, produce more centenarians than any other place in the history of the world. I spent two days with a 104-year-old woman, lives alone, cooks for herself, runs her own garden. She sits on the floor all day long for breakfast, lunch, dinner. So think about that. She is getting up and down off the floor probably 30 times a day, every single day of her life. So her hips are much more open and flexible, greater lower body strength. I mean, that amounts to 30 squats a day. It's not in a gym, mm-hmm. but so what? And, and then the balance that comes with having to get up. You know, I challenge most people listening right now to just go down to the floor, sit on your floor for one second and get up again. I'll bet you you're going to be slightly winded. So do that 30 times a day. She didn't realize that, but she's strengthen her body. She's getting physical activity. She's better in her balance. And sure enough, in Okinawa, the chance of dying from a fall is about one-fifth that of the United States. Wow. So this once again gets to the bigger idea of Blue Zones is don't try to change your behavior, change your environment. That will last. Yeah. So that's what you talk about. Less furniture, less things to trip on, but then also you're getting up and down off the floor. I just talked to this woman named Katie Bowman, who's a biomechanist, and she says the exact same things, Dan. She says that your floor is the best piece of exercise equipment you didn't know you have. I love that. She says, get up and down five, 10 times, lay on your stomach, then lay on your back and get back up and down. And she said, it's a whole body workout. So the only difference I would say is rather than remember to do that every day, Take your TV room, for example, and take the sofa and the couch out, maybe put a beanbag chair or something as transitional. Then you don't have to remember to do it every day. Every time you want to go watch TV, oh, I got to go down the floor, sit down. That's where that's yeah. where I'm sitting these days. And that's what people are doing with their tables. Maybe you're eating your meal down there. So like you said, it's changing the environment, having these environmental cues that change your habits. I loved, Dan, this is one of my favorite parts. I loved where you talked about likability. You said it's very rare to find a sad centenarian. That's a big statement. They're not grumpy and mopey. So talk about this factor of likability and longevity. Yeah. 
way I put it, there was no grump in the bunch. Mm-hmm. I, I think the grumps are dead earlier. I know that sounds flippant, but I'll tell you why. We know that if you're lonely, it shaves about eight years off your life expectancy as opposed to having a vibrant social circle of four or five friends who care about you on a bad day. Well, we live in a culture that there's no guarantee you're going to have five friends who like you if you're not interested or interesting or have some degree of compassion or sympathy or generosity. And these are the things that are often overlooked. And, you know, taking the time to cultivate those qualities in yourself, I would argue, favor your life expectancy much more than joining a gym over the long run. People who are likable, they get more visits from other people. By the way, there's studies that show they get better health care. Your nurse and doctor are going to spend more time with you and more care if you're a likable person. And there wasn't a grump in the bunch. That was just an anecdotal observation on my part, though I did interview over 300 centenarians. It sure lines up nicely with the research. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. When the skies open up, While others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. 300 of them, not a grump in the bunch. And maybe this is a silly question. 
how do you become more likable? You remember people's birthdays. You reach out and invite them to lunch or over for happy hour. If you're the type of person who likes to dominate a conversation, you consciously ask them questions, be interested in their life. And if you're the type of person who's kind of a bump on the log, that you develop uh, some interest and be able to share it, learn how to tell a good story, learn how to tell a joke. Uh, I think in general, it's be useful. Mm -hmm. It's think about how to be useful to others. Pay attention to them with an open heart. It's not hard, but we don't think about it. But it's important to think about. It is. Well, that's what I love about your books. They're surprising in a very positive way because these aren't huge things. Get up and down off the floor. Go walk. Be likable. Don't retire. Or if you retire, still have things that get you up in the morning and that you're passionate about. I love all of these different ideas. One of the ones that you talk about that's very common in all of these blue zones is that there's a lot of multi-generational living. What's going on there that's different than how things are in America? Well, if you're an American, there's over a 50% chance you're going to end up in a retirement home. Wow. You end up in a retirement home, your life expectancy drops between two and six years. It depends what condition you are and how old you are. But they're not good. And in blue zones, the idea of putting an aging parent in a retirement home is antithetical to their culture. It would shame the family. Uh, So older people are kept at home where they get better care. And by the way, it's not just a free ride. Older people are expected to tend the garden and help take care of kids. In fact, they're a really important role in taking care of children. It's called the grandmother effect, which actually increases the life expectancy of the child. You know, they're still making the wine. They keep the sourdough bread culture and they lead the bread making every Friday afternoon. So it's this beautiful virtuous circle of of the younger generations benefiting from the wisdom and resilience of the older generation and the older generation feeling useful. And I underscore feeling useful and nudged into being mentally and physically active, which does not happen in a retirement home. That's right. And it's so important. And, and, and people miss the importance of that. We should have legislation in this country that gives uh, families a tax break for keeping our aging parent nearby. Mm. Um, they do that in, in Singapore and the life expectancy has, a, you know, I mean, part, that's part of the reason they have the highest healthy life expectancy in the world. You know, we miss these things in our sad and corrupted lurch for some pharmaceutical solution to everything. Well, talking about that, you had a statement that said that it was about supplements. I was so surprised to read it. It was about how supplements aren't really doing what we think they are. You, it, it says people who take supplements actually live shorter lives than people who don't. Right. I was citing a study that showed that for all people who take supplements. They don't try to look at which one, but for all people who take supplements, they have higher rates of mortality than people who take no supplements at all. So as a class, supplements aren't doing any good for the population. Now, yes, you know, vegans need vitamin B12 and there's some argument that vitamin D is important for some people, but as a class, it's a waste of money. A lot of money is spent on those. Over a hundred billion. Well, what do you think? Do you think it's because people are depending on those and not actually making these lifestyle changes? 
yes, that's part of it. Okay. Okay. First of all, there's no supplement ever invented that's been showed shown to uh, reverse, st- stop, or even slow aging, number one. And number two, you're right. People take their multivitamin in the morning. They say, well, I got my vitamins. I'm going to have a Big Mac for lunch. And it doesn't work that way. First of all, you can get all the vitamins and minerals you need by eating a whole food plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be giving yourself an excuse to skip out on those on those foods, my opinion. And then there are some vitamins that just aren't all that good for you. You know, we think they're good for you, but they're not. Taking too much iron for older men, bad for them. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I've seen the studies. Interesting. Well, then that leads into you talk a whole lot about food. I love that you say taste and you even have these cookbooks. And in this new book that's coming out, The Blue Zones, Secret for Living Longer, there's all sorts of recipes right in there. Beautiful photos, Dan. I know you have a photographer that you've been working with for decades. And I read, where did I read? Something like 20,000 photos your team had to go through to pick the photos for these books. Yeah, it's probably more. So, uh, you know, I write for National Geographic and I've written uh, three, uh, s- two cover stories and another, st- and, and three other stories about Blue Zones over the years. And every time I get assigned one of those great photographers, it's usually David McLean, the photographer. And um, people don't realize that, but for one G- National Geographic article that might show 14 pictures, uh, mm-hmm. They have to take over 10,000 frames. Whoa. So, um, you know, I I know the photographers and I had them do an edit. And there are so many gorgeous photographs that have never seen the light of day. This uh, Secrets of Long Life book, uh, we managed to get about 300 of the best photographs. So the book looks like a 300-page National Geographic article, but with all the good reporting that you you would expect from National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a winning combination. It sure is. It's a gorgeous book. And it has recipes right in there, gorgeous pictures that you can really kind of see what you're talking about. What does the lifestyle look like? So one of the things you say in your cookbooks and also in these other books is that in these certain places, they say, or the thought is that taste is the most important ingredient in any longevity recipe. But one of the things I'd never heard of, Dan, I thought was very interesting, was about dietary monotony. Can you tell us about that? Well, in, in blue zones, in any given day, they're only going to be using about 20 ingredients. And those ingredients change slightly with the seasons, you know, what comes out of your garden and so forth. But um, uh, it, their diet is fairly monotonous. They're going to have the same breakfast. In Sardinia, for example, they're going to have a minestrone soup for lunch just about every day and sourdough bread and maybe a little glass of wine. It doesn't change a lot. And there's some research that suggests that with monotony, we tend to consume fewer calories. And a big thing to remember is these people in the blue zones are actually eating fewer calories than Americans eat, probably three to 400 fewer calories per day. And they're not achieving this because they're going hungry. They're achieving this because they're satiated. They, first of all, whole food plant-based diet is much less calorically dense than, uh, say, eating meat or processed food. Uh, but secondly, they they have these unconscious situations working for them where they're they're not eating as much. They tend to eat off of smaller plates. 
which uh, telegraphs to our brain a bigger portion, I'm satiated. They don't have TVs in their kitchens or screens, so they're not eating to their favorite TV show and forgetting about being full. They're eating with family. And to your point, uh, the monotony of the food is, by the way, even though we call it monotonous, it's not monotonous for them. Hmm. You know, the, the Sardinians, uh, centenarians after a hundred years, you know, when I ask them, what, and I ask this question a lot of times, this is a fun question to ask people. Tell me what your last meal on earth would be hmm. to a person. They say minestrone in Sardinia. Oh, minestrone. <laughs> and if it's in Nicoya Peninsula, Costa Rica, they may say, you know, a piece of fish or something. But they're also always going to say beans and tortilla, which is something they're going to eat at every meal most of their lives. So um, yeah, monotony figures in and it's a self-satiating system. It's so interesting. Well, I love this sentence, and it was in the cookbook at the one the cookbook I have. You have an American cookbook, and then you have this Blue Zones Kitchen. And in the Blue Zones Kitchen, it says the nine siblings of the Mellis family. So this is a record-setting family, a collective age eight hundred and fifty-two years. They claim they ate minestrone every day of their lives, and I'm thinking, Dan. What a life as a mother, if I could just serve the same thing every single day. This is a great solution. Try it. It, may, it might work for you. Yeah. Well, I argue that the Sardinian minestrone is the greatest longevity cocktail ever invented. Why? Because it has beans in there. It has barley. That's a grain. So when you, when you combine a bean and a grain, you get a whole protein. So you're eating a bowl of soup with whole protein. But you also have a half a dozen other kinds of vegetables in there, which give you a variety of fiber. Only 20% of Americans get enough fiber. And fiber is the only thing that our healthy bacteria feeds on. And if we're fiber deficient, we're more likely to be in a state of inflammation. Our immune system doesn't work as well. We don't get the feel-good hormones uh, circulating through our system. Super important. And then, of course, with the herbs and the garlic, and you get uh, the micronutrients we need, the antioxidants. And by the way, you start your day off with a bowl of Sardinian minestrone, and mm -hmm. you're good. You got about half of what you need for the day in the way of, of meaningful nutrients, and your stomach is full. And because it's beans and a little bit of olive oil, you're satiated until noon. You're not reaching for the uh, the mid-morning snack like you would if you ate a bunch of sugary granola or cereal. Wow. And you're also not lethargic as you would be if you eat a fatty bacon and eggs breakfast. So great opportunity to increase your longevity and make you feel better today. Start mm -hmm. your day with a bowl of minestrone. Sardinia minestrone. Yes. This is in the cookbook, and it's also in the new book, Secrets for Living Longer. So the recipe is right in there. People can find that. I'm definitely trying it. And then you talked about how this is an interesting thing, especially heading into back-to-school season, that when you eat too many types of foods, it puts a stress on your immune system. I had no idea. You know, you always think, well, you should be on this rotating meal plan, and we should have all these different types of things. That's a very freeing thing to know, that dietary monotony is an important component of longevity. Well, it's, it's yeah, so there are studies that show that in certain types of wide variety does um, put a toll on your immune system. Uh, it doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't have a wide variety of fruits and vegetables. You should. But um, 
it's a theory and I try to just connect the dots, but that's not, uh, that's not evidence-based and it wouldn't be my number one. Well, it's, it's evidence-based in some cases, but it's more there for you to think about than it is an absolute. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about sourdough because sourdough is all the rage and my friends will be excited about this. So can you tell us why sourdough bread is such a healthy thing to add to our diets? Yes. Yes. So if you, uh, and we're talking about real sourdough and, and the key is, you know, you usually have to make it at home or get it from a baker, but it's a slow rising bread. You know, it takes about a day for it to rise and before you bake it in some cases, two or three days, but it's usually a day. And the, uh, um, leavening takes place because of a bacteria called lactobacillus instead of yeast, which is a, a, a fungus. So we know that in the process of uh, this lactobacillus, the sourness and the sourdough, most of the glutens are metabolized. They go away. In fact, they're, it's the metabolism of the gluten that makes the bubbles and it makes this, you know, the acid, which gives it that slightly sour flavor. And two big studies done in Sardinia found that people who eat sourdough bread with a meal actually have lower glycemic loads from that meal. So in other words, the sugars from that meal are absorbed 25% more slowly. And that's really important because first of all, it's easier on your insulin sensitivity and your organs, but also slow absorbed sugar that makes it so those calories are more likely to be used as energy and less likely to be put on your backside as fat. And again, one meal of plain old bread as opposed to sourdough is not going to make a difference. But in Sardinia, every day it's sourdough bread with two or three meals a day for a lifetime. And so here you have a population living about eight years longer than we are, the fraction rate of the disease. And I believe that sourdough bread contributes to that uh, formula. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com outside120 code outside 120. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just 2 minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart 
Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. I think people are going to be thrilled to hear that, Dan. So interesting. How about vitamin D? So we're trying to get kids outside, families outside. They say that the average kid is only outside for four to seven minutes these days, but they're on screens for four to seven hours. What is vitamin D doing for people and their longevity? Well, vitamin D uh, combined with calcium helps build bones for, for children, but it helps decrease the rate of bone erosion for older people. So it's very important. And there's all kinds of components in your metabolism that require vitamin D. People with vitamin D deficiency are more likely to get depressed. They're more likely to have cardiovascular disease. They're more likely to die earlier. So we don't know for sure what's going on in all of these processes, but we do know that getting enough vitamin D stacks the deck in your favor. And it's very hard to get it from our diet. I know milk and so forth is vitamin D fortified, but your best source of vitamin D is to get out in the sun and expose your legs and your arms for at least 20 minutes. If it's between the Northern Hemisphere, if it's between May and October, that's all you need. It's a little harder if you live up in Minnesota during the winter. But by the way, getting a lot of vitamin D in the summer, your body actually stores vitamin D. So you get a little bit of a surplus. But Jenny, it's part of a bigger sort of ecosystem that, you know, we shelter our children, we drive them to play dates, we sanitize everything. They sit inside and play with their video games instead of being outside too much. And if you look at kids in blue zones, they're out all day long. Of course, they live in neighborhoods where there's eyes on the street and neighbors care about your kids as much as they care about their kids, but they're out playing, which is natural movement. They're required to work in the garden. They're exposed to some dirt. They end up eating a little bit of dirt, which is on the vegetables. Uh, they're getting sunshine all day long. So it becomes this cluster of counterintuitive, healthy ecosystem that makes them grow up healthy in the first place and far lower rates of autoimmune disease in the blue zones. Wow. Far lower rates of child. You know, you never hear of a child with anxiety or a child with depression. You know, maybe it's there, but, you know, it's not manifesting enough for people to get up and pay attention to it like we do here. Wow. Unbelievable. It's so encouraging. Can we hit one more topic of rest? That was a topic that came up a lot. A low sense of urgency, rest, taking a Sabbath, just not moving so fast. What are these other cultures doing to slow down? Well, these, the Adventists pray. Their uh, Saturday Sabbath is all day long. So from sunset on Friday till sunset on Saturday, they're focused on, there's no TV. They don't go to dances. They don't, kids don't, aren't playing football. Uh, they put their electronics away. 
and they focus on their family. Saturday morning, they focus on their God. Saturday at lunch, they have a potluck with their faith-based community. And then Saturday afternoon, they're taking a nature walk. There's enormous power in that. I'm not particularly religious myself, but I see it. And the big thing to remember when it comes to longevity, there's no short-term fix. There's nothing you can do this week or this month or even this year that's going to add healthy years to your life other than not dying. You have to think about things you're going to do for the long run. And the Sabbath is something Adventist people do every Saturday for their entire life. So they're slowing down. I call it downshifting every week. They're rebuilding their social network. They're making their connection with their spiritual, their God. Who knows? That might work. No proof it does or doesn't. And uh, they get that nature walk every uh, Saturday. The, the Sardinians, they do happy hour. At the end of the day, they walk down to the village and they have a glass of wine with their friends. The Okinawans start their day sitting in front of an ancestor shrine. Might have a picture of grandma, the hairbrush she used to use. Uh, it might have the ashes of great-great-grandfather and a beautiful urn. But it's this beautiful nook in the house to help them remember that they're not a point in time, but part of a continuum. And they have responsibility for the next generation. But they can also turn to the departed ancestors for, you know, their belief is that their ancestors are looking over them a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's their way of slowing down. And then in Costa Rica and Nicaria, they take a nap, a midday, a, you know, mid-afternoon nap. And that's probably more powerful than we think. Um, a nap is a uh, tw- 20 or 30 minute nap a day has been shown to be associated with about a third lower rate of cardiovascular disease, lower rates of dementia, far better than any pharmaceutical for the vast majority of people is wow. let yourself chill out mid-afternoon. Wow. I love the whole concept of changing your environment. Like you said, these are long-term plays that you really have to think about. And one of the things that really was encouraging was, and I know this is just a story of one person, but you share the story of a man named, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right, but Stamatis? Yes, Stamatis. Stamatis. And he lived here in America and he was diagnosed with lung cancer only given six to nine months to live. Can you tell his story? Because I thought this was fascinating. Sure. He moved from Ikaria, which is this Greek island, a blue zone, to Detroit when he was about 21 years old. And he um, got a job as a painter, hard worker. He, you know, he made a decent living, earned enough money to uh, marry a Greek-American woman and, and uh, buy a house in the suburb, buy a Chevrolet. American dream. Mm-hmm. But but by uh, mid-60s, he developed lung cancer, went to three doctors, all of whom told him six months to live. And instead of dying in Detroit, he says to himself, well, you know, to this typical hey, Korean, I can get buried back in my island for about one-fifth of what it's going to cost here. So I have more money mm-hmm. left over for my bride. Mm-hmm. And they moved to Korea and he prepares to die. And uh, he reconnects with his uh, faith. He reconnects with his friends. You know, they start hanging out every day. He starts eating the, the Ikarian diet, a form of the Mediterranean diet, starts drinking the wine. Six months comes and goes. And he's supposed to be dead, but he's feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. And he goes out back and he plants a vineyard. And he thinks to himself, I'm never going to see these grapes, but my wife will be able to pick them. And when she picks these grapes, 
she'll remember me. Well, to make a long story medium, 34 <laughs> years later, when I met him at age 100, uh, he had that, that whole vineyard was producing 200 liters of wine a year, all of which he drank. <laughs> <laughs> and when I asked him, you know, what his secret was, you know, of course, he folks flew in English, he lived in America 30 years. When I asked him what his secret was, he shrugged and he goes, I don't know. I guess I just forgot to die. And uh, that statement really resonated. It was really about then, this was about eight years into my Blue Zone research, the big epiphany came. And that is that in Blue Zones, none of these five places, does anybody pursue health? Nobody mm -hmm. tries to live a long time. They don't you know, go to gyms. They don't call the 800 number and buy supplements. They're not on any diet. All they do is live their life. And lo and behold, longevity ensues. So the big aha here is instead of spending all this money and time and effort and resources on you know all the crap that we are marketed to get healthier or lose weight or live longer, uh, set up your environment so you mindlessly move more, eat less, more plant-based, mm -hmm. socialize more, and in a way that we can live out our purpose. Those are the pillars of every blue zone in the world. And don't be a grump. And don't be a grump. Yes. And don't be a grump. And but manifestly, the, the, you know, these people are living eight years longer with a fraction of the rate of disease. And there is no pill. There's no supplement. There's no longevity hack that will give you anywhere near eight extra years. But yet we spend a hundred billion dollars a year on these biohacks and anti-aging nostrums looking for the silver bullet when the answer really lies among, you know, these, these ancient people who live in every continent on the planet. Wow. Fantastic books, Dan. I have enjoyed them for years. Like I said, I bought the first Blue Zones book and I know it came out in 2008, but I bought it quite a while ago and just absolutely love the new one, The Blue Zone Secret for Living Longer. So excited about your Netflix series. That's a four-part series, correct? Correct. Beginning in August 30th. Are we going to see you in it? What's that going to be like? Uh, you know, we have this amazing crew. I don't know if you saw Chef's Table, mm -hmm. but they're, uh, it's an amazing director, an amazing uh, cinematography. We had 20 people traveling with us to all the Blue Zones. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, The only downside is we had very low rent talent. Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> I was the, uh, I'm the sort of uh, presenter, so to speak. But you know, it's very good. I'm very proud of it. The Secrets of Long Life, the book, and this documentary series really represents uh, 20 years of work. It's my capstone, and I'm very proud of it. And I'm very proud of these two, uh, these two productions. That's fantastic, Dan. I'll tell you this. I will watch it while sitting on the floor. I love you. Yes. <laughs> and uh, eat, eat some nuts, too. People eat a handful of nuts, live about two years longer than people who don't eat nuts. So... And by the way, popcorn's not a bad option either. Just don't slather it with a bunch of butter. All right. So many interesting things in your books, Dan. I have loved them. I love this sentence in the very new one. People who possess generosity, a strong sense of purpose, a rich social life, and move naturally all day long, enjoy a manifest boost in happiness. We always end our podcast, Dan, with the same question. So here's a question for you. What's a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside? 
My grandfather, when I was five years old, bought me a fire engine bike and it had a light on it. And I remember my very first night pedaling laps with this fire engine bike around the front yard as my grandpa and grandma sat and watched me, Angelo and Irene Palermo, my favorite memory. I love it. I love that it's a multi-generational one too, talking about how important that is. Dan, I know you are so busy. You have been working on this incredible work for 20 years. You have a Netflix documentary coming out, set of four, a series documentary. You have this new book, Secrets for Living Longer. I so appreciate your time. I know it's going to be so impactful for the people that listen in. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I don't work that hard. Great interview. Thank you for being so uh, ebullient and uh, informed. You can tell you did your homework and you said all kinds of nice things about my books, and I really appreciate that, Jenny. And I wish you the very best, and please do stay in touch. And if, if anybody wants, uh, if has a question that they didn't get answered in this podcast, if you reach me at Instagram, at Dan Butner, I answer all questions uh, in the direct message. So That is awesome. Uh, I want, by the way, everybody who sat around listened to me, thank you. And thank you, Jenny, but also especially thank your wonderful followers for honoring me with your time. Mm, that's awesome. And people can find more at danbutner.com. You have many books and they're all interesting, great to add to the collection. They're all beautiful. Like you said, very National Geographic with the stunning photos and very inspirational. So thank you, Dan. Can't wait to watch your new set that's coming out, your new series. I'm sending you an audio hug. <laughs> all right. Bye, Dan. Enjoy the rest of your walk. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm -hmm. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking